Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. It's coming toward the end of the year, and you know what that means. Everybody on Earth is doing best and worst lists. And while we're not necessarily going to do a best and worst list, we are going to talk about the best and worst of the soap stories and couples and plots and everything else of 2017. So if you want to talk best and worst, give me a call, and we'll get to it right after this opening. everybody. It's another edition of Blog Talk Radio. It's Tune In Tomorrow. I'm your host, Richard Sims, the Executive Editor and Tweetmaster General at Soaps In Depth. If you uh, join us when we live tweet most days, we don't get to do it every day, but uh, if you do join us when we, we live tweet, that's me you're talking to. Um, although, uh, you know, I, I am sort of the public, I guess, voice. Is Twitter a voice? I'm going to say it's a voice. I'm sort of the person that, that you guys interact with the most, but it's important to know that like, I am by far, the, I am not the only person who is uh, uh, putting out the fine, fine magazine that we do each week. We have a really great staff. We have editors who cover each show. Um, we have artists who do all the hard work. There's the people who actually work in the production department. There's a lot of people. who work to put out that magazine, and I'm very, very proud of all of them. And uh, it's been another year of putting out said magazine, and we've had a great time. I hope you've had a great time. Uh, It's hard to believe that the year is almost over, but it is. I've had a great week because I've gotten to speak to – over the last week I spoke to Mal Young, who is the executive producer and head writer of The Young and the Restless. I spoke to – uh, Shelley Altman and Chris Van Etten, the head writers over at General Hospital. I spoke to Frank Valentini, the executive producer over at General Hospital. Uh, who else did I speak to? There's one other. Who am I forgetting? Uh, wow. Oh, Ron Carlovati. I spoke at length last night to Ron Carlovati about how his uh, tenure at Days of Our Lives as head writer is going so far. So it's easy to say that I really love my job because I always say I'm really just kind of a glorified fan who lucked into the best job in the world. And I never imagined there'd come a day where I would get to, you know, sort of get inside the brain and talk story and, and even sort of broader ideas about what the genre is and what it can be with some of the biggest names in the industry. So yeah, I really, really, really love my job. But tonight we're here to talk about the best and worst of 2017 as we head into 2018. If you want to join me, give me a call. The number here is 714-868-0749. Again, it's 714-868-0749. I will tell you the last couple of weeks I've been having a lot of problems with the system, uh, and tonight was no exception. I almost didn't think I'd be able to do the show. But uh, so far, Blog Talk is letting me in, and it's letting me do this. So we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, I'm going to give you my thoughts on the best and worst of the year in a minute, but uh, we're going to take a call first and just start the show off with a little randomness. And 
assuming that I can actually get the system to let me, I believe the ball is spinning. Let's see what happens when it stops. Don't you love when you get the spinning ball on your computer and you're like, am I going to freeze? Am I going to completely shut down? Or is it going to do what it's supposed to do? Right now it's spinning. And if it stops spinning, I think we're going to have somebody on the phone. Uh, as I said, the number here is 714-868-0749. And if you want to join me, you can call. And then it's a luck of the draw as to whether or not I can actually bring you on. I really need to look for a different venue other than Blog Talk to do this show because it's pretty wonky. And uh, uh, this is proving to be no exception. Uh, 267, are you there? Can you hear me? They cannot. Let's uh, see if this works. If not, this is going to be a really short show. I will uh, end up giving you some thoughts on my opinion. I'm going to talk for a minute while we wait and see if this is going to connect. Um, I think it's safe to say that that right now uh, I would have to give General Hospital sort of the most improved award of 2017 because um, ever since Steve Burton came back, the show has been on fire. That said, Days of Our Lives um, also is definitely in the running for that category. Uh, Ron Carlovati has sort of refocused the show on family, and as he and I were talking about last night, even the events that are sort of over the top, like uh, Bonnie and Hattie or Will coming back from the dead, you guys know I am not a fan of back from the dead storylines, but they've really managed to, by by injecting them with heart and humor and um, and making it about family. So it doesn't feel so much like a stunt as it feels like it's really coming from the heart. I mean, whether it's Will uh, interacting with the people that he doesn't remember or the shocking scenes where Sammy actually convinced Ben um, to, you know, it wasn't all that hard to convince him, but she convinced Ben to strangle her son in order to recreate the night of his supposed death and hopefully bring back his memories. Um, it's, it's sort of a combination of drama, melodrama, family, romance, humor. It's everything you could possibly want in a soap. So, you know, I'm, I'm really very, very, very happy about that. Uh, and same with General Hospital. I mean, we've seen, an in, we've seen an improvement in the pacing. We're seeing an improvement in um, the romance. We're seeing more romance on the show than we've seen in quite some time. Uh, we're seeing Sort of an overall, um, yeah, well, hello. Uh, I think 267 might be on the air, if I'm not mistaken. Hello? Hello. How are you? I, I'm very excited. I'm a first-time caller to your show. Really? Because I have to say that you sound a lot like the distant, far-reaching relative, like the grandmother of my friend Dan. Is this Dan's grandma? Uh, No. Uh, I don't know anybody by the name of Dan Kroll. He sounds like a loser. He really is. He really is. But he's also kind of my, my favorite frenemy on the planet, and it's always entertaining to have him call in. So, guys, yes, this is Dan from Soap Central. Um, he is swinging by to give his thoughts on the best and worst of the year as well. Uh, and he was very patiently sitting there while the ball was spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, and I wasn't even sure if I'd be able to bring him on. But he's here. Dan Corp, welcome to the show. 
Why, thank you. I'm not going to be long because I think it's really simple. I would say that the worst of the year, uh, 2017, has to be you. You are just the worst ever. And this show in particular. <laughs> this show should be canceled. Who keeps putting this crap fest on the air? I mean, seriously. Between the low tech and the lousy callers, who is putting this crap fest on the air? Hey, wait a minute. Lousy callers. That's not necessarily true. I think that some of your callers are quite, I don't know, amazing. I'll, I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, Al from Canada hasn't called yet tonight. <laughs> well, he's probably celebrating uh, a little known Canadian holiday or something. I'm sure their they Thanksgiving is before ours. Holidays. Boxing Day. <laughs> Boxing Day. Maybe they're celebrating. Unboxing. Isn't it supposed to be unboxing day when you like order something from Amazon and you make a video? Which, what's up with that? Why do we need videos of people unboxing things? Is it really, have we really come to the point, is there so little on television to watch that people are going to YouTube and watching people unbox things? Seriously? I have to go to YouTube now. I've never knew that this was a thing. Oh my God. So what do I type Go to in? YouTube and YouTube. just type in the word unboxing, and I swear, okay. a million different videos. Um, you could type in unboxing iPhone, unboxing, you know, I don't know. This is the unboxing most Helena. ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I can't believe that you've and never I've... seen this before. You're, you're no. going to spend all night tonight watching <laughs> unboxing videos, aren't you? No, I've got other things I have to do. I was literally sitting here. I saw that you were having trouble with your show and if it may or may not have worked. So I figured I would be here in the event that you had technology issues and entertain you or the masses, such as the case may be. I have a feeling it might just be me. It might just be me you're entertaining. <laughs> That's fine. I, I mean, I've, I've worked you know smaller audiences. Is there anybody? Is there anybody better at entertaining one another than us? I mean, we're we're freaking hilarious we're we're awesome <laughs> i'm pretty sure we need to get some sort of award and recognition for the antics that go on uh both pe that people see and quite frankly the stuff that we do that nobody else knows or we harass each other privately behind the scenes is also quite funny but this is a, ha really a harassing is. that no one's going to get in trouble for that's a good thing but I let's guess. let's talk since 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 i run um i i, I run i'm i since i since i run the twitter feed on soaps and death then you are mr soap central we should probably talk soaps a little bit because i'm guessing that somebody out there might want to listen to that um you should so, but so, can i just really quickly i think everybody knows that you are your twitter feed for soaps and depth cbs and soaps and depth abc i have to say that um uh, of course, for folks who don't know, I do, uh, except during the Emmys when I'm live on the red carpet and can't, uh, I do all of the tweeting on the Soap Central uh, Twitter account. I will say that someone once told me, someone who's uh, in the world of daytime said to me that, um, hey, the person who does your Soap Central Twitter feed is really awesome, Dan. You really need to make sure that they get a raise because they're really good. Um, and it's me. So... <laughs> I've given it was also you who told yourself that, wasn't it? <laughs> no. You wrote yourself a letter saying, oh, my God, the guy who does the Soap Central Twitter feed is so awesome. <laughs> no, I would tweet that out from one of my many hidden accounts. But, no, this is a legitimate, uh, legitimate message. I, it always makes me laugh. I'm like, oh, well, thanks. Glad that you like the person who does that and hate everything that I do because, you know, 
Well, anyway, we're the same person. So what are we talking about? Best and worst? I wonder if there uh, are, please. I wonder if there are like, you know, I have certain band, band bases who don't particularly care for me for, for reasons that are really just misunderstandings, you know? Um, but I wonder if those fan bases are out there like doing the same thing. Like, 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 you know, they're, they're, they, they're like, Oh my God, I love Richard, but I hate that guy who runs the Twitter feed or I don't know, vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> there might be. And it's actually kind of funny because that does really show a whole lot of uh, maybe the downfalls of the Internet. Of I mean, you really have no idea who's doing everything. I, you know, somebody could be comic book guy or it could be um, whoever isn't comic book guy. Who was the sexiest person alive from people this year? Oh, it was Blake the Blake Shelton. Shelton guy. Blake Shelton yeah, from The no. Voice. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, you, you, you clearly did not vote for Blake Shelton. <laughs> I voted for you, but you know you never win. So yeah, well, <laughs> always the bridesmaid, never. Well, really, never <laughs> even the bridesmaid. <laughs> Usually the caterer. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing, so it must be true. You are the caterer. That's great. I'm the caterer. Well, right now we're going to cater to soap fans. I, I, I know okay, that seems great. like a silly Look thing to do on a show about soap operas, but what the heck? Whatever. So, um. You know, let's let's get your take on you. I know you like alphabetical. You're you're a fan of things being in order. If it's a countdown, it must go in reverse order. If we're talking about soaps, it must go in proper order. So since we're talking soaps, we're going to go in proper order. Uh, give me your best and worst from each of the shows. <laughs> I sound so OCD when you put it the way that you put it. <laughs> you are so OCD. <laughs> Really not. So I'm going to just mess with it. I'll do this. Uh, I'll put it this way. I really think, you know, part of the thing, I think this is like a best and a worst all in one. You can give me your, your thoughts on it. I think Days oh, of Our I, Lives. Can I give you my thoughts on my own show? Thank you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, I think that for Days of Our Lives, I think that they have, uh, I, I want to give them best reboot, but I, I feel like you know, we say that almost every year. It seems every year they do a reboot that's really good for a short period of time, and then it's horrible, and we're you know waiting for them to go. So I think that the the best and the worst is the it, it's definitely uh, Days of Our Lives. I'm enjoying so much more now than I have in a really long time. The last time I remember re- really being riveted was during one of the Olympics when they had the big the gas explosions and things were going on. That must have been, gosh, that would have been what. That was a while 15? ago. Like, that was a long time. Like, where I mean, like, it was really, really good, and I look forward to it, and it was dramatic. That being said, I feel like they also get the worst for, ha- for needing a reboot and for taking again. so long to for get there. For needing a reboot again. For needing a reboot again. You know, like, like how many times are we going to have to hear them say, oh, listen, we knew there was a problem, and, you know, and yet we let it go on for, you know, like eight months before – before we fixed it, you know, I, when I was talking to, to Ron Carlovati last night, I said to him, I said, you know, the show is on fire. I really, you know, there's really, I think I, I actually think I like everything going on on the canvas right now. Even like the team scene has been sort of, you know, Jade is, excuse me, Jade is gone and that's a good thing. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure the actress was a lovely woman, but Jade just walked around seeming like, you know, the miss, the mistress of misery. She just always, she just always looked miserable. And that just is not fun to watch. But, but I said to him, I said, um, that it, you must have supreme faith in your storytelling to be able to write a show 
so far in advance because you can't put the brakes on. You know, we've talked about this before. If something starts going off the rails, you can't put the brakes on because you're at least four months ahead and probably more. So that's how long it's going to take to stop the train and get on a different track. And, and, and he admitted that's very intimidating. He said that, like, every time he pitches a new story um, you know, or a big story arc, he kind of looks at the faces in the room because he ha- he he tr- you know you have to trust your own story, but you also have to be willing to hear people say, um, "No, that's a really bad idea." It was it was really interesting. So I agree. I think I think that they I for me they tie for most improved because I would also say General Hospital has really since since right around the time not coincidentally since the time that Steve Burton um, came back. Uh, that show has also just been fire, as the kids say. Yeah, it it really has been good, and I just uh, I have to double back on that. I, I really, I would think it's got to be incredibly tough. First of all, you know we admit that writing for soaps is in and of itself hard because you have to write hardest job Monday through Friday. Hardest, yes, hardest and job out then there. You, Your job is to make everybody in the audience happy, and no two people in the audience want the same thing. But then I'm just trying to figure out uh, the whole eight month ahead thing, or six, and it's it's six months to air date. But you figure they're clearly they're writing the material before they tape it. So let's go on with the the eight month figure. That's got to be really hard because you don't know what the climate is going to be in the world. Uh, not the climate like global warming climate, but like the mood, the sentiment, what things <laughs> are going either. on, and for people, <laughs> well, there's that. I mean, like, that's a big risk, too. Like, when General Hospital was doing all of those, like, chemical weapon-type storylines, you know, if if Days of Our Lives, let's say we're doing something about that, and, you know, they're eight months behind, and God forbid there's a war that breaks out somewhere, suddenly they're really left in a lurch. So I I just – I don't know. I don't know if if changing that makes it better. Uh, It doesn't seem like they're going to. I just feel like it's got to be really, really hard, especially since you don't even get an inkling of of feedback from fans. Because by the time you get feedback from fans, your story may already be over on the canvas. So that – but General Hospital, I completely agree. They are so far ahead that, like, news comes out, and you get excited about it, and then you totally forget about it, and it's still a surprise when it happens. You know, like, like, like. Remember how long ago we found out that Cassie DePaiva was coming back, and then you completely <laughs> forgot about it. And all of a sudden, one day, you know, here comes Eve through the Kiriakis Mansion door, and you're like, you're shocked. And then you go, Oh yeah, I knew that was going to happen. And it's it's kind of cool because you get the fun of spoilers, and then you get the fun of forgetting spoilers. Or maybe I'm just old. Maybe I just have like, you know, maybe Tina Merger on and I are sitting in the corner sharing spoilers and then forgetting them. <laughs> Because I, uh, I started to send a message to Martha Madison uh, for folks who follow her on Twitter. They recently relocated to Texas um, and forgetting the whole time space time continuum thing. <laughs> I started to send her a message to say, oh, my gosh, you know, is it going to be harder for you to be on days now that you're in Texas because, you know, you're back for the holidays? I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. That's right. They filmed this Christmas stuff right around Valentine's Day, probably. <laughs> so she's long since. Uh, finished taping, but it, it's just weird that it's it's literally almost a full year later, it seems like, in my head. So, uh, I mean, when did they announce Tyler Christopher was going to be joining Days? I feel like that was back shortly after the Emmys, he and is? here we are coming up on Emmys. 
Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert from last Spoiler year. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spoiler <laughs> alert from eight months ago. <laughs> it's, you're right. It isn't really so much that it's a spoiler alert. It's, it's literally everybody else has moved on and forgotten things, and it's kind of hard to maintain that momentum. But, you know, with Steve Burton, it's interesting. Uh, I, I got back to thinking when Billy Miller joined the show and how sort of like when Michelle Stafford joined General Hospital, it was pretty much confirmed in a done deal, even though no one confirmed it months and months and months and months before it actually happened. I think the Billy Miller thing, people were saying for six months beforehand that he was joining the show, but no one wanted to say it. And then, you know, surprise, he showed up one day. And let's just acknowledge that with Steve Burton, the moment he stopped filming Y&R, the entire world said, okay, he's coming back to General Hospital. Sure, it took a while for it to actually happen, but literally no one on the planet, aside from my mother, was surprised when the news broke that, oh, wow, guess what? He's coming back to GH. <laughs> Oh goodness! No, it's 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 true. I mean, it's whether it would have happened or not. It could have taken four years, and the same people on the internet still would have been like, "I told you it was going to happen." Well, yeah, you said it back <laughs> in, in 2012, but you know, sure, eventually everything will happen. Um, but I I think you're right though. With and I hate saying that because, like I said, you are on my worst list of pretty much every year since I've known you. Uh, yeah. General Hospital is so much improved and it's i mean i was gonna say it's not to say it was really bad before well um i just we went through such a long period of time where there were there were no payoffs there were no payoffs to anything and you know it's tough to invest the five hours a week to watch the show in the first place for a lot of people because you know life and then if you're tuning in and you're waiting for a payoff and you don't get any sort of payoff, or the payoff is just sort of like saying, hey, I had lunch today. Like, wow, that's not really amazing. Um, so the fact that they now have payoffs, and they have had, uh, they very easily could have done the Drew Jason reveal as a Friday cliffhanger, as the last thing on the show. They could have done the, well, I will tell you who's who, and then you wait until Monday. They did it on a Friday, but they did it at the halfway mark of the show and then still had time. That's what I like. I, I love the idea of a cliffhanger, but I don't like the idea of the forced cliffhanger of the, well, we want to do it on a Friday. So let's come up with four days of fluff and people saying stuff and nothing really happening so that we can make this be the Friday cliffhanger. There's something to be said for being daring enough to do your really massive reveal and not have it be the cliffhanger. So there's a lot of that stuff that's going on on GH that I think um, that I really enjoy more. I think that the dialogue has gotten a little more, uh, has a little more spark to it. I feel like it, it seems like maybe there's more fun in the writer's room. I like that. Uh, I also think that going back, I want to say to when, um, when Sam had the things going on in her mind and things were going crazy mm-hmm. when, uh, Monica was, you know, crazy vision. Uh, I think that she's she seems to be more invested in the show. This is just me. I know there are a lot of people out there who are fans. I'm a fan of her as well. But I feel like when I think of her most outstanding work, a lot of the stuff I think about goes way back to Port Charles when, you know, she was new to the scene and amazing. Like, wow, Libby and, and Tess and all this other stuff. 
And she had stuff on General Hospital because she's been there for a while. But I feel like lately, whether she is or not, lately she just really seems to be enjoying herself. She's so much fun to watch again. And I would say uh, when you go to best of list, I think Kelly Monaco makes the list because I'm, I'm kind of convinced that this will be a year – well, next year technically, but she's going to get an Emmy nomination. I, I I'm pretty sure of it. Totally agree. Hello. And I would I would also say not only is you know and you're right it goes back to the it started for her with the what was it toxoplasmosis or whatever she, whatever whatever uh, uh, Sam had that whole story she just I was like wow this is the Kelly Monaco that I like loved you know this is this is it she's back. And then it really has maintained through this, this, the two Jason story. And the other person who's been sort of, you know, I, I also would put on that list of, of Emmy nominees is Billy Miller. I loved Billy Miller when he was on YNR. I just, I just thought he was, you know, there was nothing they couldn't give him that he couldn't do. And on General Hospital, I've liked him, but I haven't had that same, you know, wow, I am awestruck by you and your talent kind of feeling until the two, the two Jason story, this story, I mean, the pain that he puts in his eyes as, as Drew has felt betrayed by everyone around him and is in fear of losing everything in his life and the anger, the very, that's like boiling just beneath the surface. It's, it's incredible to watch. I think he's doing such an amazing job. Uh, I, I just, I do think that the thing that's great is we've talked, as you were saying about payouts, payoffs. The great thing about the two Jason stories. I'm, I'm definitely willing to accept payouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we both are. We, we prefer payment. In, in, if you don't have cash, we accept brownie brittle. You know, we're, we're very flexible on our payment schedules. But, but cash is a, is, is a approved vendor form. Thank you. Continue. I'm definitely, sorry. Definitely. <laughs> um, but, but what's interesting is in the past, we've talked about this before, things like whether it was, you know, the fact that uh, Hayden was, was Liz's sister or the end of the, mm-hmm. the, the Jake, Jake is, uh, you know, Jason is Jake story. The mm-hmm. payoffs really fell flat. Here, the payoff with the two Jason story did exactly what a good payoff should do. We found out who was Jason. We found out who was Drew. And it wasn't the end of the story. It was the beginning yeah. of the next story. Because now Sam is in this horrible position of, you know, wow, there's this guy that I loved. There's this guy that I love. I have children with both of them. Plus the mystery of who did this and why. So like any good payoff, it naturally spirals into the next story. Instead of just, you know, when, when the truth came out about Jake being Jason, eh, it didn't really have much of an impact on anybody. When the truth, when, I mean, they literally, we've talked about this before, Franco walked in and was like, oh yeah, Liz, uh, Hayden is your sister. And it was like, wait, that, that's how you're revealing this? <laughs> that's how you're, and nothing came of it. This is everything on the show, and it's not just the two Jason story because we're also getting other stories. You know, they're very wisely not just playing that one story. We're finally moving Maxie and Nathan beyond Man Landers and, you know, and letting them have a baby. We're about to head into some really good stuff. I know people are always like, Lulu and Dante don't get story, and they haven't. Lulu's getting really good story coming up, and I assume because of that, so is Dante. 
you know, we're seeing umbrella stories, which involve the entire canvas. So it really, it just, it feels like it's one of those great times when you get excited about a show again. And, you know, it hasn't happened with me for General Hospital for a while. So I'm happy to see that, that, that energy back. And the fans seem to react to it, too, because the ratings are doing better. So, yay! Hey, good ratings are good news for everybody. And circling back to the Days of Our Lives thing where I mentioned how hard it is for them to sort of be topical because of the fact of how far uh, ahead they are, I'm actually finding the young and the restless, whether they planned it this way or whether by you know happenstance it just turned out to be, they have the potential, potential here for two things that have become very timely with the reveal of Hillary's nude photos. Uh, I mean, that's, it's extremely topical. I and mean, we hear about even some former soap stars. I won't mention their names. You can Google them. Uh, it's out there who have had their accounts hacked or people have posted things as sort of what they're calling it revenge porn. And they have the potential. I don't think they're going there, but if they really wanted to, it would have been a great way to be topical where you have a relationship between Ashley and Ravi, which could could explore the uh, relationship when there is someone who is in power and maybe what happens with the folks who are working under them who are in relationships or maybe feel as though they're obligated to have sexual relations, things like that. Um, it, it's not there, but I'm saying that it could have been, and that would have been extremely topical, which is something that you can do when you're not so far ahead. Um, with, with The Young and the Restless, it seems like they're doing a lot of topical stories all at once. GH has done that too with, um, you know, drugs and with DACA and, of course, the, the typical stuff. But I, I like to see that The Young and the Restless now is sort of doing things that I think I like that all my children did. It's not quite the same way. I think all my children always had a different way of doing it. But with something like Alzheimer's. I think the way that The Young and the Restless is telling it is a little bit different than what Days of Our Lives was doing it, um, just in my opinion. Uh, I also find it really, really smart to do the Alzheimer's storyline on The Young and the Restless around the holidays. Yes, it's incredibly depressing, and there have been times where I watch and I'm incredibly sad. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of people who are actually facing this. There are people who are ill for the holidays. There are people who do have uh, parents and grandparents who have Alzheimer's. And maybe this time of year when it comes around to the holidays, they don't have the joy anymore because they're sort of dealing with what's, what's going on on screen. I like the, uh, the differences that YNR seems to have instituted under Mal Young with uh, a little bit of a different way of storytelling. I really, really approve of all of the different camera techniques that they're doing, that they take chances, they'll do overhead shots, they'll you know do things that you see in prime time and take for granted in prime time, but you don't see them on on daytime. Uh, the, I was watching The Bold and the Beautiful yesterday, I think it was, and I wanted to see like a wide shot of I think it was yesterday of Torsten Kay and Ingo Rademacher going head to head. Like I wanted to see a lot of the wide shot, but it kept going back and forth from. Uh, ridge to thorn to thorn to ridge and there was sort of that moment where like I'd like to see the wide picture I want to see like the body language I want to see what's going on small things in, in you know in, in the whole grand scheme of things certainly a good story is everything but 
I do like the the bits and pieces that make things even better. And that's one of the reasons that I really like what's going on with the Young and the Restless this year is I feel as though they're taking chances at a time when a lot of the daytime soaps don't want to take chances because they're afraid that if they take chances, they'll lose viewers and, you know, they can't afford to lose viewers. So I don't know what you call that, but that's like a best of risky, a best, uh, best of taking chances. Let's go with that. Well, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, first of all, I, you're right. I don't. Is it on YouTube? (laughs) (laughs) Nice circle back. What do they call that? A clap back. I believe, I believe the kids call that a clap back. No, that's when Uh, you say something mean to someone. This is more like a full circle moment. Uh, Don't, don't, don't Google that. I'm so not If you, if you Google full circle moments, I'm pretty sure you're going to see some things that you don't want to see. <laughs> or maybe you do. Give it a try. Who yeah, knows? Maybe you do. <laughs> uh, okay. First of all, I think you're right. I don't think that the young neurosis is, is, is going there in the direction of like, you know, a sexual harassment suit, although it would be, or the revenge porn thing, although it would be timely. But you know who else has yeah. the possibility of doing that? And I feel like might is General Hospital with Dr. Bench and Kiki. People have sort of mm. been like, ever since Dr. Bench first came on the show, people have been like, there's something a little he, off about him. And they've never really, you know, there's never really been any reason to suspect that. But, I mean, I think the smart money says that Alexis is not going to get too serious with him because obviously they're going to, they're going to try and put, put her back together with, with Julian. So what do you do with Dr. Bench? And one thing that really, would be really easy to do is to play that man in power who's helping a younger woman advance forward, and does he try and take advantage of that? I, I think that you know, that would be a direction that I could see them going. Uh, I also want to say you know, I agree with you about the stuff that Mal is doing on YNR as far as you know, cool shots and stuff, but I also want to give props to Bold and Beautiful because Bold and Beautiful – has been doing stuff with drones and, you know, they've been doing that for a couple of years yeah. now, not necessarily on the actual with so much with the onset stuff, you know, the onset stuff still tends to be very, um, you know, camera one, cut to camera two, cut back to camera one, but their establishing shots and their drone stuff is, it has been really incredibly advanced for a couple of years now. The Alzheimer's story, I will admit, I love this story. I love the story. And, but what I'm really taking away from it is the way that they are playing the impact on the family. I think, yeah. you know, today's episode in particular, we're seeing slowly but surely Jack sort of, you know, he's trying to handle too much. And you can see him fraying around the edges. And, of course, Peter Bergman is one of daytime's greatest actors, and it's amazing to see him do this. And if you saw today's episode, there was that amazing sequence where – Jack, uh, Ashley basically tried to kick Jack out of the company. She tried to, she tried to have him um, booted out and take his spot. And Jack interrupted, and they got into a huge fight during which he said, she was talking about John mm-hmm. Abbott, and, she, and, and Jack snapped at her, he's my father, not yours. And it was terrible, and it was cruel, and it was harsh. And but it's so true really, and so real. It was so real. Because first yeah. of all, Jack has spent all of his life trying to live up to his father's image. And the biggest mistake Jack, Jack ever made was when he took the company public, Victor was able to buy into it. And things have never, he's never really forgiven himself for that. He's always felt like he doesn't quite live up to his father. And here comes Ashley trying to take the company, which is the closest thing. You know, the company is basically 
will they have left of John? It's almost like a, a monument to John. And for her to come in and say, you're not running the company well enough, I need to take over, hit Jack where it hurt, and he lashed out. And it was so I, – I mean, like, Eileen Davidson's reaction, just sort of like rearing back and then saying, oh, very classy, was perfect. And then we got the next scene with – Jack apologizing not to Ashley but to Tracy who is sort of the moral heart of the Abbott family and all of this circles back to Dina's Alzheimer's because the Alzheimer's is having all kinds of effects on the family as they try and find their own way of dealing with it and I just think that that's such a relatable story and it's such good stuff and and I'm I I, I love every minute of it it's probably my favorite storyline on YNR right now yeah, I like the fact that they're they're showing more of the shockwave of Dina's story and even how it, it sort of is impacting people that are outside of the the immediate core with the for example when they went back and told Nick uh how the underground burned down and sort of how that all played in. So now you've got sort of like a ripple effect and, and things have gone on there. I like that because, you know, you don't want to see a storyline like a transplant, for example. And, you know, there are never scars after the transplant or people are, for, they forget that the, the transplant was there and now people are drinking or doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And it's sort of, wait a minute, that doesn't seem entirely real. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that this is one of those stories that, you know, you kind of wish they couldn't tell because it was something that didn't exist. But, you know, uh, unfortunately, I, I think that's maybe that's what makes it what resonates. Yeah. And what I think makes it is one of the best stories is, you know, we, we will you talk about it. You said you're sort of hypocritical because you're loving all the things that were, was going on on days. And they were all the things that you said soaps shouldn't do because it's wrong to do in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yet, for whatever reason, Days of Our Lives was doing it. It was fine. I mean, you can go so far with a back from the dead or explaining things away or, or whatever the case is. And sometimes you can look the other way because, you know, it is at the end of the day, this is soap and it's sort of entertainment. But when a soap does a real story, a story that's based on reality and does it really, really well, Bianca's coming out, the AIDS quilt on One Life to Live, uh, things like that, then I think that's when soaps are really at their best. Uh, You know, it's hard to do that with, as we were talking with the number of episodes that that are put out every day. However, um, you know, when they they click, The Bold and the Beautiful did it there for the longest time with – cancer and homelessness and and suicide there were a bunch of things that really really hit and in the beginning it was sort of wow this isn't what the bold and the beautiful does they're usually you know campy love triangles and and nothing completely sort of based in that that depth and reality and then they did it and it was done really really well now you know they've sort of gone back and they've taken a step back from that. Now they're doing some things that are fun and campy and they've got love triangles again. And um, so it's, it's nice though, when you can, when all things sort of click and it isn't just done for sensationalism, it isn't just, you know, like the, the thing that comes to mind, I hate to say it is when they did the, the toying with having a threesome on general hospital between right. uh, Brad and Felix and, you know, 
for whatever the reason, it was clearly done for shock value. It was there. Um, you know, it, it's something that happens in reality. I'm sure we can turn on Maury or whomever or Dr. Phil, and there are people who are living in, in polygamous relationships and multi-peoples and things like that. I even know somebody who lives with a couple. Um, they've been living together for like, how long have you been living together? Was it like a decade? <laughs> oh, sorry. Ten years. The anonymous. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I forgot when we were live on the air. Whatever, uh, but you know, like there's certain things that that are that just do that sensationalism, and I like when when soaps do it. Uh, not so much anymore to educate. I don't think. I think we're gone from the days where soaps will try to teach. Um, uh, but like Jill's heart attack, the the heart issue, I didn't feel the same way about that. That felt very heavy handed to me. It was sort of like, hey, it's February. It's you know Heart Awareness Month. Let's Let's do a heart storyline, and you know, then Jill disappeared. No right, it had no follow-up. It had no payoff. And and actually, I want to say one of the other things. You know, we were talking about the changes that Mal Young has made, and one of the changes that has happened. And I, you know, I don't know whether it's specifically him or other people in the writers' room, but I'm a big fan of seeing a soap address things from the past that didn't work. For example, yep. in today's episode when Ashley had called everybody together and was talking about all of the, the sins that Jack had committed while running the company. One of the things fans complained about very long and very loud uh, over the, during the previous tenure was, why the heck is Brash and Sassy renting – why would Jabot rent an office to, to, to their competition? Why would they let Ashley's lab be, be bought by the competition so that they could develop – competing products like it made no sense and Ashley actually and they actually used that today as uh, you know with Ashley sort of using that as evidence of Jack not doing a good job in the top slot and I thought that was really brilliant and I've seen a lot of that on YNR lately where either they're wrapping up stories that don't work or they're finding new ways of taking the story in a new direction Abby and Scott are another example I have hated I will be frank I hated all of the scenes that we got over the last few months of Abby and Scott bickering, they, mm. there is a way to do that where it's cute, and there's a way to do that where it just seems like these people hate each other. And I did not get any intention. I never got the feeling that they were cute until about two or three weeks ago when he was helping her turn the tables uh, on Victoria, with, you know, rewriting her press release and all that. They had scenes of Abby and Scott bickering playfully, flirtatiously, and it totally changed how I felt about those two. It let me see them as a potential couple as opposed to a plot point where two people hate each other and, and something happens between them, which, of course, it already did. And even today when Abby and Scott um, basically – they were really honest, and they were like, you know, Scott was like, listen, I'm not going to lie. I'm involved with Sharon, and I care about her very much, but I'd be lying if I didn't stand here and say, I want to have sex with you again. You know, it was, it was frank, and it was honest, and, and it really worked for me. It took, it took a couple that, frankly, had really annoyed me up until now, and I'm now starting to invest in them. And I love seeing when you take something that wasn't working and either explain it, write it away, like the sex ring, or find a way to make it work. I think that's good storytelling. 
Good storytelling is also telling the people out there who we are. I'm Dan Kroll. He's Richard Sims. We're talking. It's kind of entertaining, and that's what's happening. I want to say one of the things that I think I also like, too, is I've seen you on, on the Twitter machine talking about how much you dislike the Hillary Hour on The Young and the Restless just because of the fact Hate that it. for no good reason they seem to have made Hillary – uh, the previous writing, they just seemed to make it that Hillary was just mean and nasty and angry for no good reason. And it just seemed, I don't know, it, it just seems sort of pointless of you can make someone angry and mean if they have history and things have gone wrong in their life and they have a reason to be mean. Making someone mean just to be mean for story never works. However, let's go to, I like the realism of well, first of all, I think that the releasing of her photos is so current and so topical. I mentioned that before. But what I thought was really good is playing the fallout from the way that things happened. First, of people saying uh, all of the advertisers on her show thinking that she did it as a publicity stunt because she had a history of doing things that you know were sort of controversial – and in that situation, it always seems as though the person who is victimized is the one that suffers. You can do it in topically for things that are happening in the news where you know, people are passed over for jobs because of you know, someone at the top who's sexually harassing them or people who aren't advancing or people who've quit and gone into other fields and, and ruined their trajectory because of someone else. I think it's, it's really – it's unfortunately it's one of those things that's a little bit too true and painful that you know here Hillary is a victim and she's the one that's sort of having to fight tooth and nail to repair her image when she didn't do anything wrong. So I think that that's interesting to sort of see how that unfolds and then to sort of see the fallout from it where to sort of see is Mariah committed to the show, to their sort of frenemy ship that they have. And it brings Devon back into it. And um, I, I sort of like that they're maybe in a roundabout way addressing the fact that she had been written in a way that was completely unendearing to a lot of people that they can sort of, you know, get that back on track and, and, and go back and, and try to make things right for for fans of the character and the actress and for viewers as a whole who, you know, don't like to see characters that are just written peculiarly for no good reason. Well, they're also doing a great job of, um, you know, sort of playing her as someone who is slowly starting to be awakened to the error of her ways. For example, there was a great scene a couple days ago. Again, I hate the Hillary Hour. It's just, I, I, there are very, very few examples I can think of in the history of daytime where a, a show within a show worked. Very few examples. Ryan Hope did it, did it very well many years ago. The Edge of Night had a, you know, had sort of a news station that worked, but, but this this just does not work. It didn't work as GC Buzz. It doesn't work as the Hillary Hour. It doesn't work, period. Shelve it. But there was a great scene the other day where Devon filled in because Tessa wasn't there. She was busy getting arrested. And they used the Hillary Hour to show Devon and Hillary 
basically flirting. You know, people love Devon and Hillary, want to see them back together, and I'm fine with that, but you have to, like, do it slowly because they went, you know, you can't just insta-reunite a couple because the audience wants to see that couple together. There has to be, you know, it has to be earned. So we saw them flirting, and there was this melting, and it was like, even Mariah was sitting between them, like, really awkwardly, like, oh, my God, are they going to have sex in front of me kind of thing? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Hillary once again turned into her own worst enemy by letting the show turn into this trashy thing where she was trashing Tessa, who had just been arrested. And we saw Devon, who a moment ago had been weakening toward her and had been like smiling at her. And it was like, and, and you could see the fans of this couple, you could see them on Twitter being like, look, they're flirting. This is awesome. And then all of a sudden, Devon went cold because mm-hmm. Hillary went right back to her, her bad ways. And that's good writing. That says to the audience, yep, we're aware that Devon and Hillary are the couple and that they have this, this, this thing between them. But we, but we can't give it to you too easily. You ha- they have to work for it. And so we're slowly seeing, you know, the evolution of Hillary. And, you know, it seems – it doesn't seem like a stretch to say that that was the that was the writers saying to the audience, "We get it. We know we screwed this couple up, and we want you to want them together." And here's a little teaser for you. It was it was like teasing the audience, and I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I also think that it shows that that clearly characters matter when you're giving them layers again. Um, I will say, in fairness to. Hillary and her Hillary hour, I would have given Tessa a hard time too. I just don't trust her. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. Someone on the Twitter machine said to me the other day, you know, they haven't liked the way that she's acted ever since this whole news of the sex ring came out. And it would be a great twist if they found out that Tessa was somehow involved in it. I like that. Send her to jail. Sorry. Don't like the character. She, her and Reed. Reed is like Eeyore to me. Everything with Reed is, oh, poo. This is horrible. Uh, he's so right. obese. Uh, so, I... for all of you Mariah and Tessa fans, I just <laughs> want to be clear that that was not Richard Sims saying that. That was Dan Kroll. And for I all of you that... Devon and Hillary yes. fans, I wanted on the record that I was saying that they are that they are <laughs> the, couple, the rooting value. Because everybody out there thinks I hate them. It's not that. I hate the way Hillary has been written, and I am not a fan of putting the two together instantly. Like, just because everybody wants them together, you can't put them together. Same with Julian and Alexis. I don't hate Julian and Alexis as a couple. I hate that they wrote them into a corner that they now have to get out of. I think that the way to handle things like that, whether it's with Devon and Hillary or Julian and Alexis, is to give them an epic, lovely, slow-building, romantic story that makes even people who think they shouldn't be together say, oh, wow, I kind of want them to, like, get together. But it was Dan who suggested that Tessa be sent to jail and Mariah not get her girlfriend. Just so y'all know. I just want to make that clear. No, I'm going to clarify that. I think I'm saying Tessa Uh in general. I actually like – no, 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 it's not. Because if you're going to look at the things that I like about it, I like the dynamic of the Tessa-Mariah relationship. And here's where it's funny because I can see it both ways. I have the I would love for them to discover that, especially since neither one of them, neither Tessa nor Mariah, seems to have ever felt this way about someone of the same gender before. 
I like that sort of exploration thing. I love maybe finding them and the realization and, and discussing sexual fluidity and people finding their love. And I would really like to see that play out. Really would. However, and this is the part that I, I think if people think about it, they're going to hate the idea, but I think that they might appreciate the idea of it. I kind of like the idea of exploring what if for Tessa, what if she doesn't like, you know, it was a, it was a thing. It was a moment that she felt something and she kissed Mariah and nothing comes of it. And the only reason that I say that is because I think everyone who watches a soap, anyone who watches anything, anyone in life, maybe with a few exceptions, can relate to wanting someone, to having feelings for someone who just couldn't return them for whatever reason. And I think the, the issue of, of Stop orientation reading makes it my diff- diary. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you do have it up on the internet and the password for your blog is Dan is awesome. So, I mean, it was really easy to find. No, I, I like the idea. There's, it's like, look at, we were talking about Scott and Abby, you know, they hated each other in the beginning. And from the moment they hated each other, everyone said that they would end up as a couple or at least having feelings or something. And that happened very rarely on a soap. Do you have something where there's completely unreciprocated romance where someone is absolutely madly in love and, you know, for except for maybe a, a moment where something happens, in this case it was a kiss, and yes, there's, there's other things going on, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying in my mind, because I really like Mariah. I'm a big fan of the I character. Actually, of I'm, I'm going to admit, I'm going to admit, I love that idea, because it is real. It is real. We all have had an, un, an unattainable crush, and maybe you and, you and this unattainable crush were like out somewhere and, you know, like maybe you had a few drinks and you wound up sharing a kiss. And the next day they were like, whoa, that was weird. That should never happen. You know, and, and, and that's very, very relatable. Not every couple, not every person that is interested in someone else winds up falling in love with them or, vice, or, or having those feelings reciprocated. So I, and I, I do, I could totally ooh. see that. And then you could turn more, you know, you could, you could sort of, use this to turn Mariah toward wherever and whoever her next interest is going to be and even play with the idea of Tessa regretting. Maybe I should have explored that, you know? I just, I think it's real. I mean, if you're talking about storylines that are real, I kind of feel like that is the ultimate in real story. I mean, I know that the argument will be, that, you know, oh, well, you don't just kiss people who you don't have any kind of feelings for. And the argument can be, well, yeah, it happens all the time. Things go on. I just feel mm-hmm. like I like the idea of them as a couple. Machines. I mean, that, that's kidding? clear. <laughs> oh, that's not enough Purell in the world to make me, <laughs> to make me want to do that. No. Um, but I, I just think that the idea of that would be a really powerful story. And I, I think, you know, for someone, like I said, I like the idea of, of Tessa and Mariah as a couple. And even saying that, I kind of like the idea of nothing happening and having, you know, exploring then for Mariah of, well, wait a minute. Okay. I've never felt this way before. And now this person who I want doesn't feel back. Was this like an isolated thing? What's going on with me in my mind? Do I, you know, maybe it was it just right. Devon 
completely – I think that there's really a great way to explore that because I'm sure there are a lot of people who are watching who have gone through that in their, in their life where maybe – you know, it's not that. the merit That's of, such a great idea. I, I rarely you know, that, say that I like something that comes out of your mouth, but I got to say, no. that's really good. That's really good. Now, wait, now, we're going to get back on track here because we're almost, we're almost out of time. I, I know you intended to just call for a minute or two, but as tends to happen when Dan and I get together, um, you know, it's almost like heart to heart. It was moida. Uh, okay, so we're going to get back on track here. I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and Uh-oh. you will answer them. Uh, oh, your favorite storyline of 2017. That's funny because I haven't had a chance to really go through all of them and, and look at well, everything. I don't What's know. something that jumps out as, wow, that was a really, like, that was a, that was a great storyline this year? Isn't it a shame that I can't come up with anything? I mean, the, How about the, I, the ones that we've talked about, it's really tough to come up with something that is going back in time because I'm so focused on writing stuff that's, that's current. Uh, I can probably tell you more stuff that I don't like, and I'm not going to because the hate mail will flow in. Um, I feel like I liked, I wanted the return of the specters on the bold and beautiful. I like the idea of of revisiting characters from the past. Um, I'm just thinking going back, and it's interesting to bring in I some wanted new to char- like that. Oh, I wanted to like that. I really did. And I'm I'm afraid it was a fail for me. I I like Sally. Um, I I just the, the 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 group as a whole did not work for me. They never went the direction I wanted them to go in, which was using Sally's introduction to play into the you know the 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 increasingly fractious environment at Forrester Creations by having some of the Foresters go over and work with Sally. I mean, there was so much good potential there. But I just feel like other than Sally and Liam, who I like as a couple, and Sally and Thomas, I like Sally and Thomas as a couple. Um, so Sally obviously worked, but the return like of the crazy Katie was basically a failure. Crazy Katie was kind of fun to me, uh, just because it was it was fun watching Heather Tom do something a little bit uh, outside of what we're used to seeing her. Uh, that was kind of fun to me, where she was just. Berserk. I mean, there were moments of it that I didn't necessarily like where she was lurking on the plane and being nosy, but I kind of liked the idea of her being crazy. And I did like the um, the shooting at Quinn because, again, that was sort of – it could have been anybody. I mean, it turned out to be Deacon. Um, I still do not believe yeah. it was Deacon. I'm serious. I don't believe that. I believe – I mean, I think they've kind of forgotten this possibly, but at the time that it happened, I truly believe – that it was that that the way they intended to go because if you remember if you watch those scenes where Deacon supposedly confessed, it was never clear what he was confessing to, and and I really felt like it was wrote I thought I felt like it was written purposely vague because they were going to arrest Deacon, have him taken away, let Quinn feel safe, and then reveal oh it never was him he was drunk and he was confessing that yes he was spying on you and yes he did some things he shouldn't have but he wasn't actually confessing to the shooting I really I have gone back recently and watched those scenes and I really feel like the original intent was to 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 to, vet, to, to circle back to it and say oh yeah no that we faked you out Deacon didn't really do it he confessed to something he didn't understand. I truly believe that. It's a little too far removed, I guess, to do it now. Speaking of far removed, uh, I see the clock ticking. Do you need to like let people know that we're going quiet, they can listen to the archives or something? 
No, we're going we really... to just sign. Or we're, we're just going to say. Uh, I, I think an hour of listening to us, and you've certainly been more than generous with your time, and I very much appreciate it. Uh, Dan, why don't you um, give yourself a little, give yourself some props. I know you're good at that. I have props in front of me right now for after I'm done with this. Oh, nobody no. wants to know about that. <laughs> nobody. Now we're back to YouTubing and unboxing oh, and full circle goodness. stuff. And... Uh, for all of the things that I do in my world, which may be uh, playing with a nutcracker army on the floor of my living room or Christmas decorating or talking soaps or chasing wild animals in my yard or playing with the bunny, follow me on Twitter at Dan J. Kroll. And if you want to see the soap stuff that I do, of course, I'm also the Twitter person for at Soap Central on the Twitter machine and Instagram and everything else. SoapCentral.com. Go and visit for the soaps. You can follow me, as I said, at DanJCroll.com and see what I'm up to. It's usually nothing exciting, to be honest. And yet it's fun. (laughs) Well, you know, that's from someone who has low expectations of fun, I guess. I guess what we're saying here is that I have less of a life than you do, and that's really saying something. That's really, really saying something. Uh, I am I am Richard Sims, the executive editor at Soaps in Depth magazine and the uh, tweet master general there as well. You can find me at Soaps in Depth ABC or at Soaps in Depth CBS, and you can also find my personal stuff um, at how rude are you? Although I tend to get a little political there, and some people might not like that. And I talk uh, about prime time at all TV, all shade. So you can find me on any of those places. As I always say, you know, Rosa, if you if you if you step foot on the Twitter machine, there's a very good chance you're going to find me accidentally or on purpose, and you may not even know it's me. Uh, as always, Dan, I want to thank you. You're you're um, I'm I don't say this to everybody. But you're my favorite guest because I really I we we have so much fun when we talk that I actually sometimes forget that we're doing a show and I just like start talking to you, and and that's a nice feeling and I think I think it's I hope it's fun for the audience they seem to enjoy it and I certainly enjoy it. Yeah, hopefully I enjoy it as well, and you know certainly hopefully in the future people can also call in and, and partake in our madness. Uh, I think that we would you know, entertain that idea for at least a couple of minutes before we eh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I kind of like this club. I like this really private club. No. Uh, keep your eyes open, kids. You never know when I'm going to do a show. I just decided to do this one today because uh, it just – I had an opening in my schedule and I didn't know what to do. So I said, hey, hey, kids, let's put on a show. Uh, so you can always follow uh, any of the accounts that we mentioned before, and uh, I will be sure to tell you. And, of course, keep keep your eye on Dan at Soap Central. Until next time, uh, remember, what do you got to do? Because it's soaps, say it with me. Tune in tomorrow. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Tune, Tune in, in tomorrow. tomorrow. Can you sing the song? Can you sing the song? Just do you know the song? Tomorrow, tomorrow. Wow, that's really good, especially oh, since yeah. the uh, especially since the end of song thing is just spinning <laughs> and not working. Thanks, Blog Talk. You made the beginning of the show a nightmare. You're making the end of the show the nightmare. On the count of three, Dan and I are just going to say goodbye and hang up. One, two, three. Goodbye. Goodbye and hang up. Oh, hang up. That's right. Oh, goodness.